Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard to this Sunday special of Human Events, The Battle for the Border. TPUSA has just launched their latest docu-series, the very first one. Of course, we, you knew about the Great Reset one. Okay, we do our normal Sunday specials. We just did the Holy Land special last week. We also know about the FBI whistleblower that's out there. That's running every single week. But Turning Point now has their new special out called Border Battle. And we have joining us the star of that new docuseries himself. It's Sheriff Mark Lamb, Pinal Carre, Arizona. Sheriff, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jack. I'm kind of smirking because I'm the star now. I, I, uh, I like to think of myself as the protagonist of the story. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we have at least a few protagonists because there's plenty of villains and adversaries and antagonists to be found throughout this entire piece. And they, yeah, that is the truth, Jack. It is crazy uh, what is going on, not only in this country, but specifically uh, where we come into play is at the border. Well, Sheriff, let's for the folks who haven't seen it yet, because there may be some who haven't yet. What I want to do is just take a couple of seconds, play the trailer for the actual docuseries, and then we'll watch it together. And then we'll come back on the other end and I'll get your response to it. Sounds great. All right, let's do it. Describe the cartel, pure evil. They have zero regard for human life, and they're about as evil as they come. They're not just a transnational crime organization. They're well beyond that. Now they have sophisticated weapons. They have tanks. They have drones. They're dropping explosives. We've never seen this before in the history of the country. Fentanyl is a extremely powerful drug. It is 100 times more powerful than morphine and 50 times more powerful than heroin. That would be like three grains of salt. If you were to have that much fentanyl, it would kill you. I just think of every mom that is gonna spend the rest of their lives without somebody they love. It's not a red or a blue issue, it's a red, white, and blue issue. That's powerful. That's incredibly powerful. That's good stuff. And I'm excited. I'm excited to have been part of it. I'm excited that the American people are going to actually get a chance to see what we're dealing with here. And really that it's not an Arizona or a Texas issue. It's an America issue. And I love what Derek Maltz said when he said it's not a red or blue issue. It's a red, white and blue issue. Yeah, I actually got to be um, a little behind the scenes for everybody. So I actually was on set when Derek gave his interview to the team because we actually said we filmed that over here in D.C., where I am. Of course, most of his work was um, was down on the border. But it's it's also a situation that you, one of the things they get into in this first episode that just came out on Friday is this idea of the north south divide on it. Now, look, I'm out of Philadelphia. We do the show uh, from D.C., but for me, when I think of fentanyl, my mind doesn't go immediately to the border. My mind goes to Kensington and Allegheny Avenue in Philadelphia. Why? Because it's completely populated by fentanyl zombies that you can see walking around 
any time of day, you could go, you and I could go there right now, and I guarantee you there'd be hundreds of them walking around, shambling around, trying to get their next fix. It is literally an open air drug market. Some of them die, the city cleans it up, but the people are left there to their own devices every single day. And what's interesting is that in this first episode, one of the things they talk about is the difference between the North-South divide on this. Because in the North, we do see the fentanyl deaths, we do see the fentanyl overdoses, we do see the fentanyl addicts, but it's through the South that get hit with it first. Because down there, it's not just about the drug trafficking, it's also even more about the human trafficking that's coming in. Yeah, and you're right, Jack. My son is actually serving as a missionary in the uh, Philadelphia area and served in the Kensington area. Missionary oh, no way. Right in the, the I had belly no idea. Of the beast. And, and he actually told me wow. the same exact thing. He said, Dad, this is like zombie land out here. Yeah. There's needles everywhere and people walking around like zombies. And it's interesting that you bring that point up is because one of the most common things that I get from people is, I feel sorry for you guys down in Arizona or Texas. And I tell them, look, this isn't our problem. This problem is coming your way. As a matter of fact, the product, which is human beings, which you mentioned, and the drugs is not designed to stay in Arizona or Texas. It's designed to go throughout America. And the disconnect, which has really been created by the politicians and the mainstream media's gaslighting of the American people, that disconnect is right there because you they see the effects of fentanyl, but they don't, they're not told of where it's coming from, which is right across our southern border into America, something that we could easily stop if we were committed to it. So then what what's very interesting, though, that I think for a lot of people is that and this is something that you hear politicians starting to say more uh, conservative politicians, conservative leaders, this idea that every state is a border state. Now, obviously, that's not true in the geographic sense, but it's true in the sense that the crime, the cartel crime that's affecting Texas and Arizona and New Mexico and the southern border states, California, is now also seeping all the way throughout the country so that it's literally a 50 state, even Alaska, a 50 state issue because of the drugs and because of the human trafficking that's pouring in. And yet, because there are so many people that are benefiting, that are actually benefiting from this flow, that are getting a cut of it, we're told to completely look the other way. We're told to focus on uh, conflicts that are going on in the world thousands of miles away that involve uh, people that have been fighting for, <laughs> for thousands of years. Um, we're supposed to, they want us to focus on that. They don't want us to focus on what's actually happening in our own communities. And so I do commend you for putting this together, being the, the main you know, uh, voice in this, but the, you know, out, out of many, many voices, we're either currently serving, have served, there's a, there's a whistleblower at one point, by the way, who's currently serving in the Border Patrol on this. And actually, for folks who don't know, or they may have seen the Great Reset documentary that we did, this is actually the same crew that worked on this piece that made, so you know, produced by the same, uh, the same team that went over to Davos. It's actually the guys, and I think you saw the video as well, it's the guys who are getting uh, detained with me over in Davos, right outside by Klaus Schwab and his thugs. Yeah, I'm gonna give a shout out to Marcus and Kent and Ryan. This is a great crew. They work hard. They really caught on to the vision, much like what you experienced over there in Davos. These are guys that are committed to the project, but frankly, they're committed to America. And they wanted to expose this just as much as I did. They did so much work in Texas. Um, 
They talked to Derek out in D.C. They were in Arizona. They went everywhere where this story took them. And where this story took them was all throughout America. And that's what you're going to see. You've seen it in one episode, and you're going to see it throughout the other episodes, just how really this is affecting not just Arizona or Texas or the southern border. This is affecting America. No, that's 100 percent right. And, and unfortunately, though, the, the brunt, it seems, of the violence is being affected more in the South. Now, we are seeing the overdose deaths in the North, and there's a, there's a philosophical argument that I've heard. Um, I find it interesting when they say, is, is every overdose technically a suicide? And it's interesting philosophical take. But, you know, the, for the brunt of this, we're talking about the actual physical violence that's going on. That really is more focused on the southern border. And for folks who, um, you know, we should probably throw out there right now, and I'm not going to use the phrase trigger warning, right? But, you know, there's that idea of parental discretion advised. I would absolutely say that for this documentary, because even in some of the scenes that I saw, uh, this is gory stuff. And, you know, for a Turning Point USA production, Turning Point's known, of course, you know, focusing with, with students that this is... Um, a topic that includes some imagery that's very bloody, that's very gory. Uh, you're looking at the aftermath in some cases of cartel hits, cartel executions, and there are no punches pulled in terms of this. It's completely uncensored. And you are going to see exactly in this documentary what the cartels are doing in places, by the way, and not just on the border, it's, it's, this goes far, far, far north of the border, even into your county, into places of Texas, Dallas, Texas, which is nowhere near the border, if you know Texas. Um, this idea that it's happening everywhere. I've got a couple of minutes left in this segment, but I wondered if you could, if you could just touch a little bit generally on the violence. We'll get into it more later. Yeah, of course. We're seeing that violence spilling over. This is violence that occurs in Mexico every day. We are seeing that violence occur here in Arizona, Texas. But I'll tell you, I talk to sheriffs all across this country, and we are seeing more and more violence throughout the rest of the country as well mm -hmm. that involves people that are here illegally. And really, I want to touch on, you had mentioned the fentanyl overdoses. I think we got to call them for what they are, and they are fentanyl poisoning. Yes. They are poisoning the American people to the tune of over 100,000 people last year. So not only do you have the violence that is spilling over in our communities, you have the poisoning of the American citizens by the cartels and by the Chinese who, who are providing right. the precursors for this. And I think it's important, Jack, that we tell the story exactly how it is. If you want to understand the reality of this, of the open border policies, you have to see it real and full on. And that's the only way the American people are going to wake up to what is going on at the southern border and how this will cripple America and bring us to our knees if we don't fix it. That's 100% right. We've got only got a couple of segments, uh, seconds left in this segment, but we're going to hold you over through. We've got you for the entire show. I appreciate, by the way, you being so generous with your time for us, for the Real America's Voice audience, for Turning Point USA, because of the importance of this issue. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the poisonings. We're going to get into the fact that the precursors are being sent by the CCP, and there is a historical precedent for that, going back to the opium wars. And we're going to talk about what's happening with these cartels, how they've evolved from these mere drug trafficking operations into a almost parallel transnational criminal government that's operating as a, a transnational force across our border. The question is, folks, we don't have control of our border. They do. And I'll tell you right now, in this fight, we're losing. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
And we're back. This is Jack Posobiec, Human Events Special, The Battle for the Border. And I'm joined by the Sheriff of Pinal County, Mark Lamb. Sheriff, before you left, we were starting to talk more and more about these cartels. But before we go into that more about what the cartels are doing on our side of the border, I wondered if you could give us a, a little bit of, you know, when I was in the Intel community, we would say an Intel brief, you know, just a basic Intel brief battle space update on what's the lay of the land? How do the cartels operate when they're on their side of the border, the Mexican side of the border? Uh, you know, the Mexican government, we're here, you know, we're told again and again, the Mexican government, oh, they're going after them. They might arrest one guy. But then we see these crazy videos that come out and we covered it on The Daily Show where down in uh, Jalisco, for example, they got into what seemed like armed conflict, like something I'd see out of Ukraine and Russia. But this is going on between the cartel and the government. It looks like they've got actual paramilitaries that are going on inside Mexico. So explain to me this. You know, we call them cartels, but and we, 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 we talk about them as terrorist organizations. But this is I mean, if they're a terrorist organization, they're almost ISIS level. Give us a quick update brief on what the cartels have evolved to as of today. Yeah, the cartels are virtually unencumbered down there in Mexico. So they're able to do their business uh, without much uh, resistance from the government. They're much stronger than the government. This was proof positive when they arrested Chapo Guzman's son. And within 24, I think it was less than 24 hours, they put so much violent pressure um, with firearms and weaponry um, and overwhelmed the government to the point that they released him. Now, what you've got in the cartels in Mexico is you've got various different cartels. You've got the Sinaloa cartel, CJNG, which is Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación. You've got a couple other, the Gulf cartel. Each one of them do a little bit different, but for the most part, they focus on trafficking humans and drugs into America. Now, some of them are so powerful and so wealthy, and every day that this administration continues with their open border policies, um, these groups become stronger and stronger because of the amount of cash that is being brought right to the doorsteps with these 300,000 plus people trying to come to America every month. And so they've become more and more powerful. They're, they're heavily armed. Not only do they fight with the government, they fight with each other for power because so much money is on the line. I think I heard that they're making about $200 million a week. So there's an exorbitant amount of money that's being uh, exchanged hands. And when that happens, that comes with violence, that comes with power struggles. And those power struggles not just happen within, like I said, the, the cartels, but it happens with the government as well. So essentially what you're telling us then is that uh, the government has no control of them. They're basically their own government. I mean, this is something you would see out of the Middle Ages, right? You know, where some warlord just kind of comes in, takes over territory, and then they're battling it out with the other warlords. So the government there, you know, they might have the, you know, it's like, it's, I guess the king and the castle. But, you know, when you go, there's certain areas that are no-go zones. These zones, though, that we're talking about, that's entire provinces down there in Mexico. Yeah, Jack, and here's the sobering reality. It's not just Mexico. It's here. The cartel own pieces of America that in my county, they own uh, routes that we don't have control over, nor does our government. Our government can't stop the cartels. They don't stop the cartels. If they did, we wouldn't have a human trafficking and slavery problem like we've never seen 
and un, and this is a hard topic for Americans because it is it's, it touches a nerve. But I don't think that there's ever been slavery has ever been more prolific than in what it is now. And not to mention the leading cause of death in America is fentanyl, and our government hasn't stopped them. So clearly they have uh, they have probably more power than we do down there, and they have certainly not only extended their their domain and their control over provinces in Mexico, they're uh, day by day extending that here in America as well. So when you say, even before we get into this, this human trafficking and the slavery, but what you're not talking about their side of the border at this point. You're saying that even here in our own country, what we would consider to be American territory, which, which we claim is American territory, there's whole routes, rat lines, that are actually under control of these cartels. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. And there are signs in the uh, desert areas saying that based, that our government, Bureau of Land Management has put up saying, uh, warning or travel, advice, travel, proceed with caution, smugglers may be found in this area. So we've just put up signs to tell the American people, hey, you probably shouldn't come in here anymore. That tells you right there that we don't own those routes anymore. Not to mention, we're finding, seeing videos, and I have, I know people who have actually filmed bunkers, bunkers on this side of the border, on the United States side of the border, with armed uh, cartel scouts and uh, cartel sicarios in those areas, where they're not only trying to protect their loads from us, but they're fighting with each other on that side with the other cartels and from the rip crews that are trying to steal their load. And and so. Um... The one piece of this that I can actually, uh, I don't know if I ever told you this before, but that I can actually share, though, is that so Fort Huachuca, um, right there on the border, uh, the U.S.-Mexico border. So I was stationed there for training a couple of times when I was in military intelligence uh, through the Navy and they would send us down. Of course, that's Army base, but they got they got the biggest base for it. That's the headquarters of it. They said, hey, send the Navy guy down to the Army deal. But I remember going around Fort Huachuca, the hiking was incredible. There's horses there. Uh, there's so much you can do. But we started to get messages from on base security message. And this is uh, this is going back. This is 10 years ago now. It's right before I went to Guantanamo. I went through initial training there and for uh, for human intelligence. And they told us if you encounter any illegal immigrant encampments or any of the caravans, just steer clear radio it in, you know, give us a phone call. We'll head out there on the dune buggies. And I, I and, the, and the first time I heard it, though, I was thinking, wait a minute, what do you mean encounter illegal immigrants? I'm on a U.S. military base. Surely there's no way that that illegal immigrants would be able to get in here. And they tell us, oh, no, they've been doing it for years. So I just saw a headline last week that the base commander at Fort Huachuca actually sent a message, a warn or warning order all the way up to his higher command at training command saying, we're now at the point where it's gotten so bad, the base is being overrun. They don't even have the resources to be able to respond. This is in the last week, to be able to respond with the amount of illegal crossings that are going on. And again, just for one's edification, I'm not just talking about an empty stretch of desert, I'm talking about a US military facility on the border. Uh, Sheriff, how is this happening? It's happening because of Joe Biden and this administration. It's happening because we as Americans lost our will 
uh, to do the hard work and to protect our borders. We have allowed the cartels to gain the advantage of on us, on us. And like Jordan Peterson says, we probably won't win because we are not willing to say no. And until we have the, the moral fortitude to stop the things that are being uh, that, that are being the, the evil and the uh, pervasive things that are being allowed to enter our society through the southern borders, if we can't turn and tell them no and put our foot down and stop it, then we're not going to win this battle. And so this is a pro the, the, the reason it's occurring is because of this administration. And I and you may say, well, you're just being political. No, I will tell you the statistics that that support what I'm saying. In 2018, I had one pursuit involving um, involving illegal alien. In 2019, I had two. Um, in 2020, I had 13. In 20, this year alone, I've had 45. I've had a 250% increase in pursuits involving people coming to this country illegally, illegal aliens, people, humans being trafficked by the cartels and drugs being trafficked. I have seen a 200% increase in traffic stops involving human smuggling loads and drug smuggling loads. So when I tell you this, I'm telling you because I have the statistics to back it up right here in my own agent. Well, but and and even for your own for your own agency, uh, surely that's got to be a major strain on your manpower, on your ability to do what you do. Because I don't know if the uh, you know if the the state government or the county is able to even have the resources to deal with that down there. And and you know I I, don't, I, I shudder to even think if the federal government is giving you any assistance. You're right. It is a, it is a strain on our resources. And frankly, I don't want their money. I want them to do their job, which is to secure the border. Now, yes. the good men and women of Border Patrol and, and, and CBP and, and HSI, they do an amazing job. They're great men and women that put on the badge, regardless of the fact they're not being supported by the, the Washington, D.C. bureaucrats. So I, when I say this, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about Washington, D.C. has failed to do their job, which has put a lot of strain on us, and it's costing us a lot of money and other sheriffs from across the southern border. Um, and then the states now and the counties are now having to pony up and say, look, we better allocate some funding from our own states uh, to be able to help the sheriffs and the other agencies combat the problem that the federal government uh, was tasked to stop. And every time you try to do something to, to stop it, they'll swoop in and fight against you to ensure that you do not do what they are supposed to do, which the irony is they're not doing We've got about one minute left in the segment, but I'll, I'll throw out there just, uh, you know, when when the horrific Uvalde shooting happened, um, you know, and, and the response was as, as crazy as it was. But people don't realize that Uvalde is right on a major trafficking corridor. And the police there initially initially thought that it was another one of these gotaways and bug out situations that happens with um, with the caravans. And that, that because the school had gone into lockdown something like three dozen times already this year prior to that happening in these gotaway situations, rather than actually than realizing that from the initial reports that actually was an active shooter and that possibly delayed and hampered some of the response. I'm not, again, again, I'm not making excuses for what happened there, but I want people to understand that this insanity going on on our border is having real effects on the resources of our law enforcement. Sheriff, stay right there because I'm going to bring you back right after this break.
All right, we are back with Sheriff Mark Lamb of Pinal County, Arizona. Sheriff, one of the things that you mentioned in this last segment here on our Battle for the Border special was this idea that slavery is still going on in the United States. It's a different kind of slavery. It's not the agricultural slavery of the South as it was prior to the Civil War, but it's a new kind of slavery that involves women, in some cases, underage girls, underage boys. It's sex slavery, it's labor servitude of people that are being trafficked across the border by these transnational criminal cartels that are then putting these people essentially into bondage and at numbers that are, what you're saying is they may actually be higher than anything that we've ever seen before in our country. Tell us, what are the type of things that you are seeing down there? Give us what you can of the statistics of it as well. Well, Jack, 300,000 plus people are showing up to the border every month, every month, do the numbers. Um, Here's what the cartel understands. How many times can they sell you a pill? Once. How many times can they sell you an ounce of cocaine? Once. How many times can they sell you a woman or a child? Over and over and over again. And so the way that they do this is they will put the women into sex slavery. They put the children into sex slavery. And look, we have a major, we have a really awful and disgusting and evil appetite in this country. We're seeing now as society is trying to, to normalize pedophilia. And if you don't think that the cartel is more than willing to meet that demand, which is probably a very lucrative demand for them at this point, um, you're kidding yourself. So children are being put into slavery. We've got the men that are being extorted and forced to pay off, even though they might pay a small a sum they usually will say, let's, I'll give you an example. They charge $6,000 They say, give me 4,000. You can pay off the other 2,000. Um, and then these men are forced to work that off, but they never actually get out from underneath it. So when I talk about slavery, that's the reality of what we're seeing every month. And as Americans, we're allowing this to happen on our watch. I'm going to tell you a story of a woman we caught a while back. She had a baggie full of pills. And so we said, hey, what are these pills? Thinking they might be fentanyl or something. And so she said, well, when I was going to cross the border, I knew that I was going to be raped multiple times. These are morning after pill. Where in the world, where did we lose our moral compass so bad that under the name of politics, we'll allow this to happen. We'll put politics in front of people. And that's truly what's happening every day. And the longer we allow this, the more people that are being enslaved every day, women, children and men uh, being enslaved in this country. And it is not the American way, and we must put a stop to it. No, I completely agree with that, and it's it's horrific. And I, I wonder why it is that outside of the, you know, two uh, Sicario movies, you you just don't hear very much in terms of what these cartels are doing and what they're capable of doing in terms of the real human depravity. In terms of that, uh, there's there's an image in episode one. And again, you know, we, we've said to the audience a few times now that when you go watch this um, from Turning Point, that it's graphic. OK, and, uh, and it doesn't pull punches. It's completely uncensored. And there is a depiction of a a rape tree. Um, Sheriff, if, if you can, I'd, li- I'd like if you could explain to our audience um, what is a, a rape tree? What does that mean? Oftentimes the coyotes or those who are paid by the cartels to bring their product into America, which is humans and drugs, 
Um, when they get to this side, oftentimes the, the, the price that they will exact on the women and children and sometimes even the men uh, is to rape them. And they will rape the women over and over again, just like the story I just told you. And so they have these trees, these locations just on the other side of the United States side of the border that once they get here, they will rape the women and hang their bra and panties from these trees like trophies. And that is what we refer to as rape trees. Um, there are some that are more prolific than others, but along the border, you will have multiple areas where these coyotes or the cartel members will rape women, children, and oftentimes abuse men as well. And it's it's absolutely horrific. There's a scene I I, I remember very indelibly that it stuck with me from watching it that uh, they had shackles on this tree, and and some of the uh, some of the images these this clothing I mean, these, these were clothes that were meant you know i've got two little kids right i've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old and some of the clothes that were hanging off this tree it was clearly clothes that were designed for little kids um not we're not talking about adults and that's just something where again you know to to the point earlier if it's not red white or blue it's or excuse me it's not red or blue but it should it should stick with you from the point that it doesn't matter where you stand on the political compass. This is just evil. It's it's completely yeah. wrong what's happening here. It's it's completely beyond the pale. And we as a country, we will uh, twist ourselves in knots over um, the historic slavery. And we will constantly argue about it. And, you know, should this monument be at Arlington or should we tear it down? Well, what about the Southern troops? Because the Southern troops are still serving and have these debates at length, even today, for something that happened 150 years ago, but we completely overlook the humanitarian crisis and depravity that goes on every single day in our southern states. And, you know, I, I think I understand why, but, you know, you know, if I could get your analysis on the situation, you know, why is it? Is, is it really, you know, should we be so cynical as to believe that, because there are so many moneyed interests that are benefiting from this. Uh, some people think, you know, the liberals think they're going to get voters out of it. Um, the big businesses think they're going to get workers out of it. Is it really just as cynical as that? Some kind of drug deal that was made, uh, you know, pun not intended, at the higher higher levels? Or is there some other reason this does, doesn't seem to break through in the mainstream? Well, that's part of it, Jack. But I will tell you, they, they telegraphed their mission two years ago when Joe Biden was running for office. His his campaign slogan was he wanted to reinvent America. Now, I don't know yes. what the rest of America thought, but that set off alarms in my head. And they are reinventing it. And there's no better way to do it than right at the southern border by filling this country full of drugs like fentanyl, by, by filling our communities full of people that we have no idea who they are. Many of them criminals, not just here that already were sent back, but criminals from their own country come in here um, that we have no idea who they are. Do you realize that for every, I heard a statistic, for every four children that are born in America, there are three illegals coming to this country per year. So basically you're whitewashing the demographic and what this country was, and you are in essence reinventing it. And the last thing that I'll tell you that they're doing is they are undermining the rule of law. Right at the beginning, they're telling them, hey, this law doesn't apply or that law doesn't apply. And uh, we're sending a message that we pick and choose which laws we're going to apply, especially when it relates to political ideology. 
And so those are some of the dangers we're facing. That's really what's happening in America. There's also economic um, impacts, huge economic impacts that we probably don't have time to go into today. Um, there are crime, uh, increased crime, the slavery, the raping of women, the abuse of children, the extortion of men. And then we talk about the drugs. And I know we haven't even gotten into that, but the dangerous drugs they bring in, like fentanyl. I mean, every American, honestly, if you are not speaking out against this and you are not telling your politicians you're not okay with it, then I am going to tell you, you are complicit in this behavior. You are complicit in the slavery, the enslaving of women and children, the extortion of men, and you're complicit in the poisoning of Americans across this country because you're, uh, like Abraham Lincoln says, uh, those, to sin by silence when they should protest makes cowards of men. Amen. And, and, and we have a couple of minutes, we've got about three minutes left, and then we've got another segment. Let's, let's get into that, though, a little bit, the, the actual poisoning. So we've, we've heard about what the cartels are doing in Mexico. We've heard about what happens on the border, the slavery, the sex slavery. Um, but now we want to talk about this actual poisoning. I want to remind everybody, by the way, it's SalemNow.com. That's where you can go to watch this thing from October 7th through November 1st. It's going to be up on Raven Rumble after, but for right now, it's exclusive on SalemNow.com to watch this border battle. But uh, Sheriff, if you could get into this and, and we'll, we'll carry it over after the break, got about two and a half minutes left here. This poison, and I mentioned before, we talked about Kensington. You said your son was there doing missionary work. What is it about fentanyl that makes it so different from other drugs we've encountered? Well, as you heard me mention in this in the first episode of Border Battle, um, it's 100 times more powerful than morphine and 50 times more powerful than heroin. And if you really want to dive into some crazy, it's not even crazy stuff. This is how uh, China dynasty was brought to their knees during the opium wars. Yes. Um, and now the same thing's happening to us. They're bringing the America to its knees without ever stepping foot on American soil for the most part. Well, you know, proverbial stepping foot. Um, I, they are they're killing American people and and it's happening every day. Um, and we haven't even heard our president talk one time that I've heard one time about fentanyl poisonings. And it is the leading cause of death in America. Over 110,000 Americans, 107,000. That number probably gone up since then, but 107,000 since we've been talking. Died. Yeah, it's gone up since we've been talking. And it's only going to get worse because the amount of fentanyl that I'm catching in my county I can only imagine what we're not catching and what's permeating through uh, throughout America and what is affecting American families and lives every day. You know, we're, we're coming up on our break, so we're going to go into our last segment here. By the way, that point you made mentioned about the imperial China. So this the fact that the British did that and we're the United States, that has no bearing on the Chinese because the CCP views it all as the the West writ large. So the West did this to us and now we're doing it back to them. So we're in the midst of the third opium war right now. And the opiate of choice just happens to be fentanyl. That's why the CCP is doing this. They very much understand the havoc that it is wreaking to middle America. And they're absolutely doing this on purpose. From their perspective, it's getting revenge on what the United States, well, not so much the United States, but the West did Late, uh, all those years ago to the Qing Empire. Okay, coming back in just a couple of seconds for our final segment here on this special with Sheriff Mark 
Lamb. Do not go anywhere. All right, we're back. Our final segment here, Battle for the Border, this Sunday special with Sheriff Mark Land, who, once again, we're just so thankful to you for being so generous with your time. But it's also because it's such an important issue to get into this here, Battle for the Border, available now, SalemNow.com. Everyone must go there. You can see this documentary. More importantly, share this documentary with folks who are out there that think, well, that's not that important. We need to focus on the Middle East or we need to focus on Eurasia. or We need to focus on something that's happening far, far away. This isn't far away. This is happening right here in our own country. And guess what? This fentanyl poisoning, it's happening in your own backyard. Sheriff, talk to us how this crisis has turned every state into a border state, every town into a border town. Yeah, the amount of fentanyl that the cartel's bringing in here, um, and they're making it so cheap. And not only that, they're putting it in everything, first and foremost. So cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, marijuana, the little THC vape cartridges. Um, they, we're finding fentanyl in all of that. We're seeing cocaine addicts that are being poisoned by fentanyl that never once took a fentanyl pill. Um, it's because the cartels want you to be addicted to their product the first time you use it. Now they really love the fentanyl pills and they're selling it here in Arizona. It's 50 cents to $2 a pill. The little Bobby can take $20 out of his parents' wallet and go buy anywhere between 10 and 20 pills, sell a few, take a few. But the, here's the problem is 40% of all the, the fentanyl we're recovering right now here in Arizona for the DEA are lethal doses. And let me just give you some statistics, Jack, of here in Pinal County, Arizona. Um, just my county. This doesn't include any of the other police departments in my county. Um, in 2018, we had zero M30 fentanyl pill seizures. In 2019, we had 677 pills. In 2020, we had over 200,000 pills. And in 2021, we had over 1.2 million pills. Um, this year, I expect that we will far surpass 2 million pills. And I shudder to think, that we've probably only caught, if we're lucky, maybe 10%. So this is going to be a major problem for America. It's not just in your backyard, it's in your front yard, and it's in your house. I have been personally affected by it, and I think that most American families will be affected by it. So, look, this is a real problem, and if America doesn't wake up, we're going to be brought to our knees by it. Well, and th one of the ways that people can see this and um, just just going back to the city of Philadelphia, because, again, that's my frame of reference for a lot of this is Narcan. Right. So Narcan, we're, we're hearing now that police departments around the country are starting to deploy with Narcan. They're just distributing it, making sure everybody gets some. I know special forces guys that uh, stayed in the military, guys that I worked with. They're deploying over. So when they go to Afghanistan, they're taking Narcan with them because they got fentanyl and synthetics and super fentanyl and all sorts of stuff over there that they're encountering. And in the city of Philadelphia, you're starting to see this in uh, CVS checkout lines and Walgreens checkout lines. They got the Narcan up because there's so many people ODing that at least, you know, with the Narcan up, you'd, you'd be able to get a little bit of a chance, right? You have the ability to possibly counterfeit um, or counteract the effects of this, of uh, this opiate before it shuts you down completely. But this idea that, you know, we're seeing something like, uh, you know, it's like the adrenaline shot from Pulp Fiction in that, you know, the iconic scene, of course, with Uma Thurman and John Travolta. But, you know, it, you're seeing stuff like that when you go with your kids to check out at the drugstore, 
is sitting out. That's where we are right now as a country. Yeah, we've lost our moral compass. It's broken. Um, you know, we had 700 and I think 62 um, overdose or poisoning calls, whatever you want to call them, in 2021. Now, not everybody dies, but think about the amount of, of, of Narcan we had to use in those calls. That's an average of two per day that we're getting called to. And those are the ones we got called to. How many did we not get called to where people uh, survived or maybe didn't survive? Um, let me give you some statistics of fentanyl because you don't even have to ingest it to die from it. You had mentioned yes. that the special forces are using it. Last year in Arizona, 33 children died from fentanyl poisoning. Seven were under the age of one. That statistic alone should get every politician Horrifying. unelected and get people in there who are going to put America first and who are actually going to do what it takes to protect American families and our communities from the dangers of human trafficking and drug trafficking. Because it's not about immigration. It's about human trafficking and drug trafficking into America. You know, when 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 we look at some of the solutions that have been brought up in terms of this, because I, I, want, I want to get, show people that there is some hope, that there are solutions that have found a way forward. Of course, one of the most famous ones, or, or possibly infamous ones, uh, was, was the idea of a border wall. Can a border wall, a true border wall, and I, you know, I just got back from Israel, we did the, uh, last week we showed the Holy Land special, and we showed the actual wall that they have up between the West Bank and Israel over there, this enormous concrete wall with, uh, spotlights and watchtowers and everything else, you know, razor wire at the top. Can, can an actual border wall help in this situation if it goes all the way across? Absolutely. Absolutely it will help. Is it the end-all be-all? No. No, you got to couple that or, you know, combine that with technology, ensuring that you have enough Border Patrol staffing, not bogging them down with babysitting um, people that are coming here illegally and making false claims of asylum because they didn't follow the rules that were set forth and we allow them to continue to not follow the rules. Um, you've got to do a lot more than just build the wall, but the wall is absolutely effective and it works. I see it every day. Um, and yet we stopped and we left gaps in the walls or there is no wall. They can just walk right around the edge of it. Um, I will always have issues in my county because on the south end of our county, we have a Native American reservation. Uh, they're likely to never build a wall there. But at least you can create funnels and, and choke points um, to where we can focus more Border Patrol agents into that desert area um, and catch people as, as the cartels try to push them through. So, yes, the wall works, but there's a lot more to it. But it starts with just being uh, enforcing the rules and laws we have in place. You can't come here illegally. You can't come and claim asylum if this is not the first country you arrived at after leaving your country. Um, and just because you didn't like your country doesn't constitute an asylum claim either. You have to be a you know, political persecution, some of the other things. Um, it's just it, we've, we've allowed it to get a, totally adultered. Now, what, let's talk about the cartels specifically, because uh, we hear every once in a while the Mexican government, the federales go after them. But then there's a question, of course, about how much of the Mexican government, the federales may be complicit with cartel activity or, or have been uh, been turned or corrupted by it. Because, again, uh, I, I hope people understand this is, this, this is an industry of hundreds of billions of dollars uh, we're talking about here. And so the question is, what could be done better 
on our side of the border in terms of cartels. I mean, I'm not going to go out there and, and call for full-on military action into northern Mexico at this point, but, you know, you know maybe, maybe, consider. Uh, it could be considered by, uh, uh, depending if we get a political change in Washington, but uh, what really could be done to shut down uh, this activity of the cartels? Well, you declare them terrorists and, and, and see this for what it is, an invasion. Um, once you declare them terrorists, it gives you the ability to really um, use your special forces. You don't even have to go in and create an, an exact war on northern Mexico. You just send in your special forces and your your high your elite military units, which those are deteriorating because of our woke military yes. now. But you send them in and you go in and you you do what they do and you stop these cartels. Look. I was a gang and drug detective for a long time. And the way you stop these bad guys is you put their you put their proverbial boot in their throat and you make it you make them impossible to do their business. Uh, you hold them accountable and you exact justice. But I think by declaring them terrorists, which is what they are, because they're striking fear into the hearts of families across America every day and into the hearts of those who are being abused by the cartels that are open border policies are bringing right to their doorstep. That's the first step. Um, and go back to the Trump era policy. Like, that's, those work. Let's get back to those policies and then we can start to work on fixing the, the definitely broken immigration piece of this as well. Yeah, I remember there was that, uh, I don't know if it was ever confirmed or not, but there was that uh, New York Times piece that said, well, we've got uh, you know Trump and uh, the president was saying, they're asking around if, if, if we could bomb the cartels, and they, they, they put this out everywhere. Trump wants to bomb the cartels. Trump wants to bomb the cartels. And I said, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that at all. I, I, who has a problem with that? I don't think any normal thinking person has an actual problem with that. Uh, because, of course, the question is, and with the same idea of designating them terrorist organizations, well, how do we deal with terrorists? How do we deal with ISIS? Drone strikes all day long. So I want to remind everybody, SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com is where you go, exclusive through October till November 1st. That's where you can go to watch Border Battle. It will be a six-part series, so it's going to be coming out continually on RAV. It's going to be up on Rumble after that. But right now, SalemNow.com, Border Battle is a place. Sheriff, th I just want to say thank you again for so much time giving us the full hour here to break us through what's going on. And it is heartbreaking what's going on on the border in your county. Thank you again. What are your coordinates? Where can people get access to you and follow everything that your department is doing? And I appreciate it, Jack. And that, look, this is a to spend an hour talking about this very important issue is nothing. You know, we can no longer be silent as Americans. Um, please go check out Border Battle. It's going to be a great series. You can see right from the first episode, we're going to really showcase what it is. Uh, please check me out on Instagram, American Sheriff. Uh, same with uh, Truth Social, American Sheriff. I don't really use Twitter, but it's Sheriff Lamb One. And then I just dropped a new book called American Sheriff Rules to Live By. It's based on the poem by Rudyard Kipling, If. And I share founding father's stories of hope and courage and determination and perseverance. And uh, hopefully you can apply some of those stories in your life. You can get that on Amazon. Right now it's a buck. Uh, you can download it or you can get it at americansheriff.store. But please come out and support because this is how we fight this battle. This is how we take it back to them and uh, we right. regain and we control America. All right. American Sheriff. Sheriff Lamb, thank you so much for joining us here. Human Events, this special, The Battle for the Border. Everyone go make sure you check out this book, 
American Sheriff, Sheriff Mark Lamb. Thank you so much again. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.